0: I remember when I had T-Max and I, I T-max. A, after a training, I went to a shopping center and I left my bag with, with those T-Max in it inside a locker and oh. I, I completely forgot about it. I, I went shopping and then I went home. I woke up next morning. I found the locker room key inside of my uh, jacket. I thought, oh, I forgot my, my uh, basketball shoes. I need to go back to the shopping mall uh, to take them. So <laughs> I went there and it was empty. I went to the security guy and I said, look, uh, yesterday I left a uh, bag and now it's gone. He says, like, we don't have any responsibility about the stuff Cla- that you leave classic there. Response. And he's right about that, but it's pretty obvious that before closing the shopping mall, uh, a security guard went there to check all the lockers. He found T-Max inside and said like, oh, it's going to be a great gift for my son. Oh my and gosh. just took it. Right, And I never got him back. I, I really love those shoes. They were great. I believe I was like 14 years old. Mm. Or 13 years
1: old, I was still actively playing uh, th- those days, so... Yeah. I look at them now and they look uh, one of those shoes that were very comfortable back in, uh, back in the I, days. I love them, yeah,
0: but I only had them for like three months because I, I lost them. Yikes! <laughs> and Yikes. then I, I couldn't afford uh, expensive shoes as, as a backup, so I had to go with something just very mm. ra- random from, from a sports store.
2: If, if that yeah. was a Lithuanian podcast, I, be, I really believe there's a chance that you could get them back, or at least <sighs> the son of the security guard would reach you Somebody out. Somebody
0: might still have them I- somewhere in the closet. I mean, yeah. it happened like 18 years ago, so...
2: But still, it was... Pretty rare uh, stuff to have, right?
0: T-Max were, I, I wouldn't say it was the hottest thing because mm-hmm. there were more popular shoes though uh, back in the days, but T-Max were pretty fly, okay. actually. And when I got them as a gift, I was so happy. Ah. I believe they cost uh, at that time around 200 liters, something like that. When you, uh, sh- that, no. No. when you think now, not everybody could afford that, actually. But
2: when
1: you think now that shoes cost like one hundred fifty euros, one twenty euros, and you try, it. and before it was uh, the same amount in uh, in Litas, of course, it was fifteen years ago. But
0: right now the prices are crazy. You go to any store, like I was going shopping for gifts, and for my brother I wanted to buy a a beanie, and I see oh a very cool Nike beanie hat. I'm going to buy it. And then I look at the price tag, it's 40 50, euros, 50 or 40. 40 or 45, I believe. And I thought like two years ago for 40 or 45, I could buy a pants, a jumper and <laughs> and socks. And right now it's a beanie hat <laughs> for, for 40, but these are the days we're living in.
2: Yeah. I, I've, I believe that everything is so overpriced right now that I was actually thinking about something to do different for the next Christmas, like, uh, uh, sending this money to somebody who really needs it, whether it's you know warring Ukraine or, or some kids who can't afford uh, having T Mac shoes or, or, or whatever. So maybe it would make more sense. Mm. In I think this it, these era. days
0: don't know who T Mac is.
2: I mean maybe Ja <laughs> <Rans> then
0: <laughs> you, you should go for Ja or Steph or
1: or at least KD.
2: Or but, Luka Doncic. Basically
0: shoes. um
1: he has the shoes now, I think. Being a, a, shoes fan,
0: so. being a fan of T-Mac or having T-Macs makes you a boomer these days, probably. That's true. Kids will look at you like, oh, you're a boomer. <laughs> Who's your favorite basketball player? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Tracy McGrady and Allen Iverson. And Vince Carter. And I have this Dikembe Mutombo jersey.
1: <laughs> boomer. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, what about Luca Doncic shoes? How much you would pay for, for his shoes from, from this <sighs> night? I don't know. Uh, From this night? Yeah. Becoming the uh, first who scored 60, grabbed 20 rebounds and dished 10 assists. Actually,
0: right? before that, I wanted to say I do have a basketball shoes right now that I rarely use like once a month because I don't play that much anymore. I cannot do that. Uh, but it's, it's Dame Lillard's shoes. Mm-hmm. And Dame just became the a leading scorer in Portland Trail Blazers franchise history. So that's also a big thing. And Dame's shoes are pretty comfortable and good-looking. So it's not like I do Dame time, averaging three points Mm -hmm. per game in in amateur league, but yeah, those are good shoes. And Lucas, I think the stocks are way higher right now.
1: I mean, just what he did today. uh, Obviously, the Knicks were a part of this. I mean, the way they allowed to force uh, for him and for the other Mavericks the overtime, 'Cause he had like forty three or forty five points before that uh stretch. Ah okay. They, they were mm-hmm. uh teams I think are zero and thirteen thousand losses uh when they are uh zero down ten.
2: Thirteen thousand eight hundred and eighty four losses in the last twenty seasons when trailing by at least nine with thirty five seconds or fewer remaining. So it's not a coincidence I've
0: mentioned T Mac. Yeah, because the last probably the <laughs> exactly thirteen thousand eight hundred whatever was yeah, TMAC. that's what he did against the Spurs. Yeah, you know, analyzing this game, uh, first of all, I would like to go back c- a couple of days ago. What happened during the Christmas Day mm. when the Dallas Mavericks played the Los Angeles Lakers?
1: It, was, LA, it wasn't worth to be a Christmas Day game. First. It
0: wasn't, but the <laughs> thing is that the Lakers uh, had a game plan uh, to double Luka Doncic every single possession, every single time. He usually went to the post, low post against Beverly, and they would double him all the time. The idea is to live with other players shooting the ball. and Did other he tweet players anything
2: after the game? Sorry? Did he tweet anything after the game? Like Mike uh, did, about pro- probably he, he did?
0: He probably didn't. I mean, doubling is not like box and one. It's a different story. I, I don't understand. You want him so, on the spot podca- again or not?
2: <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: It wasn't a problem for Luca to pass the ball, but the Dallas Mavericks players were not making shots and Lakers were leading at, at the halftime. But then the third quarter happened and Tim Hardaway, Chris Wood, Spencer Dinwiddie, all these guys were making shots and they played a 51-point quarter. And that's, that was the consequence of Lakers doubling and sometimes even tripling uh, Luka Doncic and forcing him to pass the ball. So the New York Knicks and Tom Thibodeau went in a complete opposite way. I didn't see the full game yet. I just saw the full highlights of Luca Doncic scoring sixty points and the extended were, highlights of the game. They were not doubling. They were switching, or in pick and roll, they were playing drop coverage. So it was kind of easy for a player with Luca's abilities and talent to score forty. But in my opinion, the New York Knicks game plan worked. They had the game in the bag. They were up nine with one minute to go, and then what happened in the last minute was was a Christmas miracle. Some free throws missed by the Knicks. Uh, Three-pointers made by Chris Wood and Spencer Dinwiddie. Luka Doncic with an and-one play. Luka Doncic uh, missing a free throw on purpose to grab his own rebound and force the overtime. Basically, everything that could go wrong for the Knicks in the last minute went wrong. And in the overtime, of course, Dallas had the momentum. I think some fans already were at home. They left the building early and they didn't see the, the ending. But, uh, yeah, the stat line looks crazy. 60, 20, 10. 60,
2: 21, and 10. Yeah.
0: 60, 21, and 10. It is crazy. I think it's the first time in the history of the NBA when you have a triple-double with with 60 points. Second. Second to James, James Harden. James Harden, James James did.
2: Harden did. first. Yeah. But the first with 60, 20, and 10.
0: So, again, if you, if you just see the highlights of Luka Doncic, it's not like he needed to make some tough shots to score 40. Those were usually floaters attacking the drop coverage, uh, a couple of step back frees, a lot of drawn fouls, uh, some end one plays, but nothing unusual,
1: actually. I mean, if you watch only his highlights of Luka Doncic, and you were like, uh, I did it first, then I watched the game, I was like, I mean, you are, how is this game winnable by Dallas? How, why is it so easy for Luca to score? Because he is just playing this pain pick and roll and they can't do anything. I mean, playing the drop coverage for Luca is like walking in the park. Like that's how hard it is for him to to score against drop coverage. We have seen it many, many times in the series and teams then changing defenses. But you watch the score, you see how easy Luca is uh, on, in these highlights scoring. And then you're like, the, the result is always Knicks are up by 10. Yeah, that, that was the crazy part. Like he's scoring so easily, but somehow they are still up by 10 because in the post they weren't doubling him. They were allowing him to go one on one and drop coverage. So, this is basically what you want, what you want, what Luca wants to do. So, it was really cr- crazy to see them after such a good performance, such a good game, and allowing Luca to play. And then in the last 35 seconds, just making all the wrong plays. Let's say they allowed that first three pointer was okay, we won the game. Uh, we can, uh, you know... Relax a little bit. One three-pointer is not going to change anything. Bam, six-point game. Then uh, he forces the jump ball, wins the jump ball. Uh, they miscommunicate on a switch, uh, you know, that was a guard-to-guard screen. So these little things, and then you, bam, it's... Uh, I mean, obviously, five things in a row to go like this way. It's super rare. Like, you see this stat, it's crazy. But it was just... Uh, 47 minutes of great, uh, let's say, defense, not against maybe him, but against all all the others. And then it's like five plays in a row that went completely wrong.
0: At the same time, this spectacular performance by Luka Doncic uh, just proves my point that this Dallas Mavericks team will not go deep in the playoffs. It will not have a successful season like last year. If you need Luka to drop 60, 20, and 10, to force an overtime against the New York Knicks, the Knicks at home, it means that something's not working. And basically for them to be successful, you need more consistency from Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr. And in this case, they were not making shots. So Tom Thibodeau was more than happy to see Lucas scoring 50 as long as the Knicks win the game. Yeah. And that was the logical outcome because up nine, one minute left. What what else can you expect? Then a miracle happened. Yes, but you cannot prepare yourself for something like this. So basically, Luca is carrying the team, and he doesn't have enough help. Like last season, Jalen Brunson was actually a very solid ball handler
1: helping Luca. Also we were, having Spencer Dinwiddie and true. But we were, we started like uh, talking about uh, Brunson. You know more only in the playoffs because. You know, in the regular season, yeah, he was he was he was good. He was balling similar to what you know Christian Wood is doing right now. Yeah. And then he just with Luca injured, got even more confidence and started to ball. Uh, but I agree with you that for Luca to win, they need another superstar there. And uh, I mean, it's I was reading yesterday an article from Thinking Basketball that to win in the NBA, the superstar alone does not guarantee you anything. You need another at least another All Star. To win and that, that has been like teams to win championship with only one superstar and not another all-star is like happened like five percent in the last 20 years and uh so if you want to win it's simple you need to have superstar and an all-star and i don't think you know christian wood is necessarily no, they, an all-star they don't have any he's other a, he's a great piece but i think yeah. they need uh, you know an, another guy there
0: of course they have dinner with Ian wood this is solid help for Luca, but that's not enough. They took a gamble with Kemba Walker. Actually, nobody believes he's going to have healthy knees uh, for for the full season. But he had a thirty four point game, I believe, like a week ago. Uh, although, what I love the most about Luka Doncic tonight was not his game or the stat line. It was his post game interview. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: where he just said, "I'm very tired." I need a recovery beer. (laughs) These (laughs) are
1: the exact same words I said when I woke up after Christmas. Oh, okay, after Christmas. I thought you were going to say these are the exact same words I say when I play in the park. Not even in the game, you know where you go in Uh, an amateur league.
0: When I woke up after Christmas and watching uh, Boxing Day football, I actually said to myself, I need a recovery beer because I was busy, um, let's say, liberating Cuba
2: for, for the whole day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> if I'm making a beer in Dallas, if I'm a beer company, I've, I would definitely go for some beer line like recovery beer or something. It 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 would get popular among the some mar- marketing.
1: Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. These two
0: dudes, like Doncic and Jokic, they give something special, extraordinary different. to the NBA product. I mean, Don uh, Jokic not so long ago dropped a stat line with what like twenty seven rebounds. And 40-plus points. 45 points, something crazy. There were some incredible... And actually, I had a discussion with with some of my friends uh, that are also big NBA fans about Nikola Jokic's case to be uh, an MVP three times in a row. And basically, the only argument why it cannot happen is that... Recency bias. (laughs) It is a vote by American media, and probably people will think, like, Aren't we too generous giving this MVP award to the Serbian player for the third time in a row? Even though all the stats and the numbers and the extended stats, advanced stats show that he is the MVP. They probably would go for Jason Tatum if Boston Celtics win the regular season. But it's just that, like, Nikola Jokic is still the MVP of the league and he's still playing like the MVP and he could be the MVP once again. Doncic is not in the MVP discussion, discussion basically because Dallas
1: Mavericks are underperforming. But I believe, uh, you know, I saw that those, all the advanced stats and Jokic is like in every advanced metric, he is in 99th or 100th percentile, like in the top uh, percent in each of advanced metric. Like there is no advanced metric that Jokic is not exactly. in the so first uh, couple of even players. Even if
0: you give the MVP award to Jason Tatum, let's say, Michael Jordan's
1: MVP award, by the way, the real MVP behind the numbers is will still be Nikola Jokic. But to me, I think if Luka would had a, a better team, and let's say uh, they don't give the award to Jokic, there is between Tatum and Luka, uh, and they, the Celtics are good, and Dallas is, let's say, in the playoffs without the plane, 4th or 5th seed maybe, I think uh, Luka would, would get it, you know, because he is the bigger face and... Uh, just these incredible stat lines i mean tatum is playing great and having all these crazy stat lines as well but Luca just has a, a level even above him so um yeah Luca will be the mvp sooner, sooner or later
0: but just right now he doesn't have the team that's that's good enough for him to to be in the mvp discussion or in the
1: western conference that has like 12 teams uh,
0: fighting for the for the spot, or at least like we saw when Russell Westbrook was the MVP for averaging a triple double, that was just one single case. It usually doesn't happen when you are seventh or eighth seed in the in the West. I'm not taking anything away from Jason Tatum, but let's be real: if if Luka Doncic had uh, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and Marcus mm. Smart playing next to him, his life would be a lot easier. Also, and Boston Celtics right now are probably the best team in the league.
1: True.
2: Let's hope Dallas will do something not to waste his uh, not to waste his talent. Lucas is still 23 and he became the youngest player to record the 50-point triple-double. 23. He tied for the highest scoring triple-double in NBA history. First player since Will Chamberlain in eight, 1968 with a 50-10-10 game. The first 60-20 game ever by a guard and he also had 10 assists and 60 points, most in franchise history. And also he became the first European-born player to score 60 points. Tony Parker was second. 50, 55, Dirk Nowitzki 53, and Yanis and the 52. So that's where my question comes. Who, you, guys? Who do you consider the European NBA goat? Dirk, all time,
1: yeah.
0: Dirk, still Dirk, but Yanis is there, Luca is there, mm-hmm. and and Nikola is there. These guys will probably overtake Dirk, but I think up to this day Dirk's legacy is just so big that you cannot only measure everything by uh, MVPs, uh, championship rings and, and points per game averages. It's about the legacy and Dirk's legacy is tremendous. I mean, what he did to the game. Actually, on Christmas Day, his statue was opened uh, next to the American Airlines Arena and the statue was kind of iconic because it shows Dirk with that... The fadeaway. Uh, incredible leap. Like he, he His back is almost next to the ground and He's making the fadeaway shot. And Kevin Garnett, so by the it's, way, it's very very another
2: statue over there. Luka statue right now. Luca
0: statue might be there someday. I, I, be, and, I and believe that eventually Mark Cuban will build a contender with the Dallas yeah, Mavericks yeah, yeah. around Luka Doncic, but his time hasn't come yet. This team is not strong enough yet. They probably were better the last season than they are right now. So, I, it's impossible to say that 23-year-old Luka Doncic is already the European GOAT in the NBA. He hasn't even played the NBA Finals yet. So Dirk Nowitzki for me right now. Mm. But probably in 10 years' time it will be a different conversation. I think
2: Jan is on on, on this space. For sure. To become the the GOAT. MVP awards, uh, winning the NBA with, let's say, he, when he joined Milwaukee, it was a mediocre NBA organization. So he kind of broke the hope. He made them a serious team, a big team over there. He's dominating the game, and for sure he's on it's on his pace uh, to become. And he goat.
1: stayed there when yeah. you know there were some just rumors. like Dirk, just loyal like Dirk, loyal Dirk. Exactly. yeah, loyalty. Just the only thing that and it was written. Sorry to interrupt. It was written on the statue, I think, on the Dirk. The loyalty never fades away. Yeah, ah, okay, that was super cool. And wow. and and the Dirk, you know. Wow, that
0: was super. Dirk super. came to the league in 1998 being a very uh, slim teenager that people thought he's a small forward and what can he do on the NBA court with no physicality. Uh, and in the end, if if we compare Yanis to Dirk, why I would prefer Dirk Nowitzki still is like, um, Dirk changed the game. He changed the concept of a stretch four, of a power forward, of of the big man shooting the ball and being able to score in different ways. And what Yanis is doing is basically, it's not for everybody, it's just for super freaks of nature. Like, you cannot reach the levels of Yanis and Tedokumpo by crafting your skills or, or your game. Dirk Nowitzki physically nothing special. He's not an excellent defender he's not a guy that is gonna beat you in physical battles he's just the smartest player on the court he has a unique skill set and that is something that i believe a lot of players uh, try to copy in their game when they saw Dirk Nowitzki doing that it's just not everybody can reach the level but Yanis Antetokounmpo is a beast and you admire him for different uh, reasons and and i will always prefer these natural talents like Dirk Mm. or or Steph.
2: uh, Even Luka Doncic, I mean, your description fits him very well. He looks like the guy who has this recovery beer um, on a daily basis. Although his
0: body strength is actually top level.
1: But, you know, you said uh, uh, Dirk uh, changed something in basketball. Like the way we see stretch forwards and stuff. And Yanis is doing it it in the same, uh, in his own way. Luka is is... Doing that has done it in Europe, I think, in the EuroLeague, you know, changing the we how we understand the game and doing it in, in the NBA as well, you know, playing all the, let's say, the point forward, all the positions, just being the number one ball handler and making your team become like, let's say, a positionless team because uh, around Luca you can just put around four, four, four guards or four forwards yeah. and the team is, is fine, you know, you don't need positions because you have Luka so in in a way Luka is also uh changing basketball Jokic is doing the same you know he changed the way we understand the, uh how center should play how we involve centers in offense you know not not only on the low black, but in the in, in the high post in the middle of the key area you know yeah. pushing the ball and you know before, uh, before there, there was only Dirk that changed the way from Europe, that changed the way how we understand the game or an, an element of the game. And now we have three guys from Europe that are basically changing how we understand basketball, how we see basketball. We are seeing tactics invented, you know, Yanis Wall and still nobody has invented defense, the best defense against Luka, but... Terminology but, invented uh, like point center. Uh, exactly. So you, it's so just so cool to see three players from Europe dominating and changing the way we see basketball and the basketball is played. So that's uh, you know probably we will be after ten or twenty years we will get yeah. back here and say wow that was really an amazing uh, decade of basketball. I agree with you
0: completely. It's just like for me it's a different experience to see a player that can take the ball and go straight through to the whole court and through the whole defense because of his physical abilities, and to see a player that is not exceptionally uh, strong or, or in terms of physicality better than most of the NBA athletes. Or but not he's just, jumping so high. He's just outplaying them
1: with his head. Basically on every single possession. Yeah. That's why awesome. I'm going
0: with Luka, with with Jokic, with, with Dirk. So far, Dirk's still my goat. And Giannis, I'm not taking an, uh, anything away from him. I think he's the best player in the league right now.
2: And yeah, let's I, not forget that there's a lot of work uh, behind yeah. his uh, freakness. Let's say it's not just being genetically gifted a player. There's for a lot sure. of hard yeah. work, what he has to suffer going through these streets in Athens. Uh, a lot of desire, his heart, I mean, his example for, for the future generation is so, also something which what you cannot compare. But I see your point. and I, I had this line prepared like, okay, Luka Doncic for sure he will make his own case to be considered as one of the goats, European goats in the NBA history, but I I can say that I think that even today I think that he's the most exciting European player ever that played the NBA game. I mean, uh, considering his skill set, creativity, not just you know passing, uh, not just the core visibility, but the way he creates the shot, the creative way of. Creating shots, creating passes from nowhere. Uh, there was this one like that.
0: pass to tonight behind the, head the d- corner where it looked the like corner. he's going yeah. for the layup with like broken he arm or something. Sent it was the ball to the corner for Reggie Bullock to make the free.
2: It was. It looked like a some error in video game. And <laughs> his personality he brings on the court, I think it's unmatchable by any of these uh, starts. As you mentioned, all of them, they were unique in their own way. But Lucas is, for me, so far, he's the most exciting. His personality on the court, I mean, could improve. <laughs> There's a lot of bad and good things, of course. <laughs> on, the NBA of stage stage.
0: on the NBA <laughs> stage, it looks entertaining. Mm-hmm. On the Eurobasket stage, it seems a little bit annoying. So... Mm-hmm. These are also different contexts. I wonder what game. Dallas fans are thinking. It's annoying, his. but it's
2: also very interesting to watch it. Nah, no,
0: in the NBA, for me, it's entertainment. He's trash talking with uh, people in the courtside seats. He's trash talking with Pat Beverly the whole game. Of course, Pat Beverly is also uh, He's probably a very, a the very comp- competent I mean, yeah. trash talker. Uh, actually, on Christmas Day, another miracle happened. Luka Doncic was actually fouled out of the NBA game. He got wow. his sixth foul by a very brave young referee. <laughs> but then Jason Kidd went with the coach's challenge and obviously it was overturned.
1: That was a brave decision. <laughs>
0: that was very brave. That was Yes, very brave. exactly.
2: But yeah, he stayed on the court because of the coach's challenge. And you know what, I, I think that uh, you mentioned all these greats of today's basketball, but I feel that we are so privileged to witness them not only on T, but live as well, because I feel it's kind of sad for me that, okay, Mike, there's Michael Jordan, the GOAT of the NBA basketball. There's Drajan Petrovic, the GOAT of European basketball, uh, probably. But for me, it was always sad that I hadn't an opportunity to watch them live, which makes the whole case different. And it was always like a basketball myth for me. Okay, you can watch it, uh, watch them on TV, on YouTube, but it's so different when you can watch Luka Doncic playing even in 2017 Eurobasket when he was 18, and he was super important in this uh, gold medal run uh, for Slovenia. Or even now watching in, him in Eurobasket scoring 47 points, the second-highest all-time in the Eurobasket uh, history, and just having this smile all 40 minutes. Uh, I mean, I'm not an art guy. There's no song or painting which makes me excited. I mean, <laughs> so excited. But when I watch Luca, it's, it's its something different when I watch Jokic or even Yanis takuma So it's a huge privilege for us to be able to follow them also live. And the fact that Luca is still only 23, it means that we have at least 10 years uh, at least 10 years if no injuries will happen or or, or well recovery beer won't make an impact uh, uh, on Doncic's I'm a career. bit
0: I'm a bit more cynical. It's it's not like uh, Luka crashing out of the Eurobasket versus Mateusz Ponitka or Yanis Antetokounmpo suffering yes, the w- of the, course. the wall uh, and and losing the quarterfinal or Nikola Jokic losing to Italy will stay in my mind for for a long time. It's no, I'm not it's talking not about their worst I'm going to remember about yeah, them. Yeah. And I would, I still prefer seeing them on the NBA court. Actually, this is where they get to show their best skills. I mean, Luka Doncic is a player that probably that doesn't feel any difference to play in Europe or to play in the NBA. He needs to carry the team either way, and he needs shooters around him. And he just plays basketball. For Giannis, is very different. The European rules are really harsh on Giannis and Totokumpo, actually. Even Czech Republic can build a wall and, and stop him and have a big guy standing there all the time uh, uh, under the rim protecting it. So, in the Eurobasket stage, for me, it's a bit incomplete. But when I see these guys, for example, when I saw Yanis making his championship run, yeah, that's something legendary.
2: Or at least you have a chance to go there, you know, to watch them live in the NBA arenas. I don't have the chance at the moment. Still, one of my dreams to cover the NBA
0: final someday. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but, well, a man can dream.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it was an exciting night for European, not just European, but for worldwide uh, basketball fans. There's also another exciting uh, guy in Europe who brings a lot of excitement, especially in Serbia, uh, Facundo Campazzo. Our colleagues even mentioned, uh, even uh, titled it as uh, Campaso Mania. Uh, insanity of of Campasso, uh, given the fact how uh, Red Star fans are hyped up uh, about this signing. They mm, bought all the tickets to the game against Barcelona in one hour. Uh, okay, they're playing not they're not playing in arena They will play in Alexander Nikolic Hall. But this, what kind of excitement this signing is there a brings. limit a limit of tickets there? Uh, <laughs> Theoretically, <laughs> Theoretically, probably legally, maybe yes, but there are no limits in Serbia. I was in I was in niche Serbian Cup final last year during COVID, and I remember there the, there was this uh, rule uh, in in whole country that probably more than fifty percent of capacity cannot be filled with fans. It was a full house cool. uh, game. So I over-packed. mean, overpacked. So games in Serbia they, they're they're uh, different, and what's what's also interesting about this potential debut in the EuroLeague, because at least at this moment, when we're talking on this pod, on uh, it's, it's 2 o'clock on, on Wednesday, uh, it's still not clear if he will play or not, because uh, the ban was not lifted yet on Red Star to register new players. But they're they still working the, on the paperwork.
1: They, they needed the, this sponsorship to make it uh, mm, work. I think it, work, it, it was or? more
2: about Agreements with those players—they—they they were uh, oh, okay. owing some money. I think mm-hmm. that one of them was Adams, and there was somebody else. It's best that at least their president told that they already reached these agreements. And they also claim that they sent papers to EuroLeague and maybe it was Christmas break or whatsoever that kind of postponed these things. Although from the other side, I'm hearing that something was not matching something, you know, maybe they were sa- lacking some of papers to lift that ban. Anyway, so okay. it's, it's not clear yet if Compasso will play, but he already made his uh, debut in, in, in Abu League. And what probably explains this mania, that's we with Augustus, we watched Aboli League game against Borat's Chachak one of the worst teams in the Aba League they had they have a record 3 and 9 but let's show them respect as the first team of Jelko Bradovic actually when he was a pro player and he played there 44 years ago
1: and it's not like i don't watch Aba League oh yeah this year this year i have some more reasons to watch it you yeah. know But uh, it was crazy, Uh, Campazzo gets up from the bench, not even arrives to the scorer's table and the whole arena is applauding him already.
2: Almost seventy-seven thousand people came to watch. And
1: uh, I mean, it was, you know, usual Campazzo, he will need some time to get off the rust. There was, he immediately, he went onto the court and just tried to throw these, some crazy passes with one hand, super strong, you know. You are under the basket. Imagine your guys uh, has his back uh, turned to Campazzo, and he just throws his bullet pass, but doesn't pass to you, but to the backboard. Almost and broke the rim. Broke that yeah. pass. Yeah, and uh, there were some other passes that he tried and didn't work. There were some passes that worked. A really nice behind the back uh, pass with the left hand, and uh, so and to me it stands out. He just every time he steps on a court, his energy, his quickness. And uh, he's so fast in the passing lanes to steal the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. probably this team, you know, it shouldn't be the. We shouldn't judge him, but uh, I think the rust will come off of him much sooner than uh, if there was another player in his situation. I just, I just think he's he has such a feel for the game that he will not need much time to get into the rhythm. But obviously, Euroleague is is way way different than playing uh, uh, Borat's Chachak team, you know, in in the in the Abo League.
2: Yeah, I actually thought that his first game will be more rusty. When he entered the court in the f- middle of the first quarter, he actually replaced Luka Vildoza. Uh, the
1: rotations will be interesting, mm-hmm. by the way, how they will rotate now with Nedovic, Vildoza, Kampato, Will Dobrić uh, play less, you know, probably, or or what's going to happen mm-hmm. between these three guys and the other, uh, let's say, Serbian
2: rotation players that were playing pre- pretty good. Yeah, and then when he showed up on the court, Zvezda was like up by four or something. It was a pretty tight game. But when he left the floor, it was already 26 16. The first couple of passes, the first possessions were kind of rusty, but he quickly got his rhythm and went all these behind the bas, uh, back passes. Yeah, it some some crazy assists. Him. Very easy uh, very easy game for Kampas and Red Star, of course. 11 points on three of six shooting, three rebounds, uh, two steals, five assists, and two turnovers. And uh, 90 uh, minutes so let's let's wait for the EuroLeague debut probably it will answer a lot of questions with the rotations uh, their chances of of uh making the playoffs, uh, all the Red Star players, and I believe fans, they're kind of sure that they will play, make the playoffs right now with Compazzo's edition, but we will see. It's 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 not so easy as it uh, looks, and it's not the video uh, game in my eyes, and especially in True. this very competitive League. But of course, there's a lot of reasons why Red Star fans are so hyped up uh, about this edition. By the way, I don't know, are we going to talk about
1: Olympiacos and no, the I have to, game?
2: I have two, two random things from that game since I watched that game. Uh, I, I watched okay. all those stretches when Capazo was on, fl- on the floor, but it's not the common thing that I'm watching Aboli games. So I noticed a few very interesting things. Oh, two takes from Borat Csacek or Olympiakos Zvezda? Borat oh, okay. Uh, and, and, and Zvezda. So the first thing is that it's probably the first arena. Okay, the first arena after Waka, you've probably noticed this courtside row with sofas uh, on the baseline. Okay. There are at least there was before white sofas, uh, or it was in the on the side of the court. I don't remember. So in Red Star game, I noticed that previously it was the media tribune. Now there were uh, rows with sofas with with two people on, on them, like probably VAP seats okay. uh, for this game. So for me it was unique. And the other unique f- thing was, uh, which is related to Mr. Yannis and the that if Europe if there was a 10 second free throw violation in europe the f- number 4 of borats chachak uh, would get called for that twice in that game and it was actually uh, i googled to him it was 18 year old kid uh, georgia churchich and it took 11 seconds for him to attempt both free throws
1: that's not so bad when Yanis get called for the, got called for that 10 second violation it was like uh, 20, Even more than 20, 20 that, or right? something I don't, I don't know, I don't remember correctly. Maybe but not twenty, but close. to 10. Close, Yes. More than eleven.
2: <laughs> so yeah, it was it was interesting. Although that kid is, is is great, he has a great free throw shooting percentage. That was his actually the Aba League debut for him. To, for, so, for I, I imagine for that night,
1: I, I, I imagine the guys during the practice hate him if he's uh, <laughs> doing the same free throw routine every time. Hey, yeah. coach says, hey, shoot ten free throws, and he's like, everyone finishes in one minute. He's like five minutes later. Slow free throw routine is something that uh, I find irritating. <laughs>
0: I remember uh, George Zidek when he played for Zalgiris, He used to touch the floor with his bum okay. before taking the free throw. It okay. took so long for him to prepare. The preparation was so uh, slow. It sort of reminds me of a football player taking a penalty kick. <laughs> but. <laughs> I get that uh, for some players it's probably easier to catch their breath uh, because you're not shooting in a practice, you're shooting in a basketball game, so you need a little bit more time to prepare. If it's Yanis' case, then you need to understand how much contact he suffers during the game, so when he gets to the line, it's actually a breath of fresh air for him, because there's no one disturbing Mm -hmm. him or punching him, so he just has all the time in the world to prepare, and of course, the if you're playing on the road, people in the stands are counting. One, <laughs> two, three, four. <laughs> but um, when you're watching the game, maybe it's a bit annoying when it takes 30 seconds for a player to make two free throws. But at the same time, you need to understand why he does that. There is a reason.
2: Yeah. yeah so probably Georgia also needed to take a breath before making his first ever ABBA League points. So, so again, congratulations on that. And these were my two random facts about the game. I just have one random fact about Olympiacos and
1: Zvezda game. Okay. Did Richis, did you No, I no, was working have... uh, was oh, working okay. with oh, the Partizan Fenerbahce
0: game. game which yeah. was also a, a good a drama a game. not a quality
1: drama but it ended uh, an interesting game. It ended with Partizan winning it. Just about Olympiacos and Zvezda real quick. So, I make a video start of the season I make a video about Olympiacos. I think they start 4-0. and zero, They lose the next game next video is about Finner they have five win five win series in a row we make a video they lose the next game I everyone is going. A, everyone in the comments uh saying you know oh the basket is someone someone's saying make a video about anadolu we don't want them in the playoffs uh, he did make a video Vizankos. about Vazenkov, about you know yeah. it's not about Vince about his scoring but uh, he finishes with 11 points only which and is how many you know, dribbles? He had I, some, I didn't. I didn't count dribbles, dribbles this game. He exactly. He had a lot of dribbles, but there is a reason. That was Stefan Lazarevich, who had one task in this game: stay attached to Vezzankov as close as possible. And he showed that this is the defense, the best defense that you can play against Vizankov. Because if you are always like you know hugging Vizankov, it's hard for him to move. And he needs to move, you know, to change directions as much as possible to score these points, you know, as you can see in that video. And with all the cuts, all the movement that he is doing. And, uh, you know, Vazenkov scored 11 points. Uh, Zvezda one uh, in an away game, uh, a really great performance after not such a good uh, uh, double week they had. And. Um, even on the last defensive lay when it last defensive play when it mattered the most uh he was supposed to they were playing Olympiacos was playing the spanish pick and roll avzenkov was supposed to set a back screen uh on the pick and roll and Lazarevich was just so close and uh, had uh so much contact with him that uh he couldn't set the screen and costas Lucas was f- was forced to uh, you know to a tough shot you know because if he sets the screen maybe there is something open maybe there is a miscommunication but uh, Vzenkov even couldn't set the screen because of Lazarevich, and uh, they went on to win that game. So, uh, probably the first player to demonstrate how you need to play defense
2: against. First and team, and, and you can also say,
1: and you can also say that it's uh, Dusko Ivanovic also, you know, needs to have a credit for this.
2: I see Mike James now uh, in the room watching this pod and saying like, "Finally, finally, somebody did some scouting against Vezzenco." Because if you remember well, also he oh, tweeted yeah. something about nobody. I mean, having Vezzenco open. Why is
1: he open? Why is, is he open? And I'm not. And they're playing boxing. So what Ivanovic saw that
2: tweet and It was like, okay, let's somebody not to make him open in any time of the game. So, so, so yeah, that's that's a good effort. Although the refereeing was horrible in the end of the game, there true. were at least three crucial mistakes on both sides. Like Tariq Black getting the ball, Stepping being out of line, bounds. is throwing shooting a three-pointer, uh, foul was not called, or even getting the rebound. And I think that Mitrovic uh, he grabbed the hand, and there was no whistle. So. Yeah, that's and it was very important uh, play. But anyways, <laughs> big win for for Red Star, and. Uh, uh, we just discussed Kampasso's excitement that he brings to the EuroLeague. There's another uh, NBA player, borderline NBA player, who is thinking about returning to the EuroLeague, and it's uh, Tyler, Dor- Tyler Dorsey. Uh, there are some rumors some rumors already, uh, some teams being mentioned uh, being after him. Uh, actually, there was a report by Hero Hoops that Monaco made a 1.25 million uh, offer until the end of the season for Dorsey, but from what I've heard, it's, it's, it's like a fake use uh, completely. It's, it's not true, but what's true is that uh, Dorsey has a solid price tag if anybody from the EuroLeague wants to have him back. And we just can guess uh, where do you see him landing in the EuroLeague? What would be your ideal destination uh, for any of those teams or even for Tyler Dorsey? So I have an easy and for me,
1: to me, the most logical answer, which Olympiacos. is Olympiacos. But uh, and I don't think I need to explain yeah. you know a lot about this solution. Uh, but the more interesting one, I think, who needs it is like Bologna Virtus. Exactly,
2: I have the same answer.
1: That would be a great fit, I think, exactly. for him and for the organization that badly needs a high level scorer who can just get off his shot at any time and who cannot and who is not a liability defensively at the same time so i think virtus would make a lot of sense they you know they have money it's probably just a question if the owner wants to spend uh, another let's say 2 million or whatever it is the price tag let's say of 1 Dossi. million yeah one million two one point three is, is crazy money for for Dorsey in my eyes. Okay, so, um, yeah, for me, it's uh, Olympia cause would make a lot of sense, and I see probably him going there. You know, seeing the situation of Canon and seeing that uh, Olympia cause are starting to lose some games and um, their success in the beginning. I think uh, we're starting to see that their success in the beginning, where. Related obviously to the continuity in their uh, in their team, and now when other teams are catching up, we see them some loo- losing games. So, to, for for Olympiacos to be the you know strong strong contenders for the title, I think they need to go all in for uh, for Dorsey. Well, to me, Monaco rumors don't make any sense mm.
0: unless Jordan Lloyd would be out for the season, but he's not. He's he, not. He's he, out he, for
1: two, he, two two three, three weeks. weeks
0: exactly. So you already have these free. Guards,
2: Scoring-oriented guards, yeah. Uh,
0: well, not necessarily scoring. I wouldn't call Mike James scoring-oriented player. He's He does everything, but basically you have already your uh, lineup of the doom for, for the opponents. In the fourth quarter, you play with Mike, uh, Elio Cobo, and Jordan Lloyd. And if you have Dorsey, then what? Do you play one of them as a four? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Dorsey at the these, four? These players are... are And you're paying a million euros or above that, so you're expecting the player to be on the court closing games. In the closing lineups. Exactly. So it doesn't make sense, but Olympiakos makes perfect sense. Isaiah Canyon is not performing (laughs) very well, let's be honest. He had some sparks, but it's probably not enough as a starting shooting guard for Olympiakos. Tyler Dorsey can offer a lot more. And also he knows the environment, knows the coach and knows the teammates.
1: Knows the Uh, system, everything.
0: And then I have another idea, like if Maccabi is making some cuts, because we know all the stories about Darren Hilliard, uh, Austin Hollins, uh, Wade Baldwin now is injured. Maccabi is another (laughs) former team where Dorsey played. I could see him there. I could see him landing there, but they would need to make some changes in the roster and maybe even change the head coach. Who knows? So, these are probably two potential teams. Uh, yeah, Virtus makes sense, but at the same time, Virtus also needs to make some cuts. They have a lot True. of players, a lot of guards. Mm. It's just that some of these players are not delivering at all.
2: But they're missing sc- uh, score so badly. I mean, their main scorer, at least it, he was supposed to be <laughs> the main scorer, Eva Lundberg, he averaged 42 Points in the last five Euroleague games. Yeah. They have the 16th worst Euroleague uh, defense, uh, offensive rating. They're 14th in the Euroleague, but they still have a chance to make the playoffs. So they, they need to improve their offense badly. And, and if then I'm again, Virtus, I go after Tyler Dorsey.
0: Sorry, since this is the question of money do you have money or not? I could see Partizan finding some funds and signing Tyler Dorsey as a response to Facundo Campasso signing. Because from what I what I see that in Serbia sometimes you get money from somewhere. Mm. <laughs> so would, it make, do would that, it make sense though? Not really. Signing again, two free
2: position two, and they're good
0: offensively. Well, I mean, they're they're, they're playing team. without a point guard, and extra quality wouldn't hurt them because they don't have uh, depth in the roster, anyways. So, I could like see. you have depth,
1: the most depth and the most quality in the position. You are signing the guy. You know, you have. Uh, you know, punter, you but have... you're signing Exum, you the best that usage. you can get at the sure, time. Sure, sure. Like, I, like Zvezda. I, I understand. Like Zvezda probably more needs... They already had Vildon
2: Because they <laughs> also did with Bacon. I mean, they just signed the best available player. But yeah. you know,
1: Bacon was... Mm, true. That but, made the most but, sense, know, actually. That, yeah. From out of all these scenarios, Bacon makes the most sense, yeah. Because you can play him as a four, and which they are doing and, and they need, you know, they needed that position. So Even
0: if it doesn't Sign in the Euroleague this season. In the summer, he will be getting a lot of phone calls, and for sure, many teams would go for him. I could see even Barcelona if they decide to replace Corey Higgins, signing
1: a player like Tyler Dorsey. I thought about Barcelona, but uh, it was more not not now, but
0: in the summer. But Mm
2: -hmm. in the
1: summer, yeah,
0: exactly.
2: The problem is that I think that Higgins is under the contracts until 2024. They have long-term contracts. In we already saw in, that in Europe, these long-term contracts doesn't mean a lot. So okay, that would be a logical replacement for for Cor- it's Higgins. It's just an probably. idea
0: because out of 18 clubs in the Euroleague, probably 12 cannot afford a player like Tyler Dorsey.
2: Yeah, and he already refused good money from um, Olympiacos uh, this summer uh, because he desperately wanted to go to NBA environment whether to make it in the NBA or to be, I've I've heard that it was related, let's say family uh, related Mm -hmm. decisions. So who knows how it changed uh, right now. I saw Greek uh, reports that it was also related to the fact that uh, by playing half of the season, he can expect to get the, uh, how to say, just a second, uh, NBA pension, yeah, pension, That's that's the right word. So it was also related to this. Uh, And there are things we, uh, there are a lot of things we might don't know.
0: And it's kind of obvious why it didn't work for him in Dallas. Uh, He just lacks size as a shooting guard in in NBA. For head coaches, for scouts, for for GMs, Uh, if you're a shooting guard, undersized shooting guard, you need to have uh, like spectacular offensive talent. And if you want to play next to Luka Doncic, there's already Spencer Dinwiddie on the team. So, I think it it was not really an opportunity for Tyler Dorsey to make it to the Dallas Mavericks. Maybe it was the wrong team at the wrong time, but he's not a point guard. You cannot right. see him playing as a point guard running the team and as a shooting guard in the nBA he's just lacking size
2: and he's not a defensive specialist, so I mean and the competition competition for th- that kind of players like Tyler Dorsey is is just you know. It's not very good uh, for, for a player like to- Tyler Dorsey without some other expectional, ex- expectional, ex- exceptional. exceptional talents <laughs> he has. Yeah. Uh, what do you think with Campasso coming back? Before it was Luca Valdosa. Now we see Tyler Dorsey. What do you think? Who could be the next NBA player who could come to Europe or return to Europe?
1: Like, not necessarily now, but I think uh, Dario Sharic uh might be heading uh you know someday soon I know he's still he's he's not a really a rotation player for his team and uh he's always injured. Um uh, I'm not sure how many teams uh would want to sign him in the summer uh you know when his contract expires knowing his injury history and uh seeing how he performs on the floor you know he plays five games and then he misses two weeks and then it's it's the same story so uh obviously there are more players that are let's say more uh euroleague material as as of now because probably you know Sharish can still get uh you know some attention in the NBA and there are more uh, players that are much more fringe NBA than than Dario Sharish but just uh he's a, a bigger name let's say of of all these players i don't know if i don't know if you agree guys We've Every, season, take. Yeah. Every season we see some NBA bench warmer
0: signing for EuroLeague clubs. Some of them make it, some of them don't make it. Some are success stories, some are not. Gershanya Buscelli is a great example. Elio Cobo is a great example. For Carson Edwards, it's not very bright
1: so far, but let's give him more time. But, well, you know, he signed immediately into a much, uh, you know, be a really good team, like Elia Cobo. Elia Kobo started with Asville, and I think yes. if you put Edwards on Asville also, you get a better...
0: So it's, it's just the idea that uh, it's not really clear which NBA bench mm. players or G League players will be in Europe next season, but if you talk about European names, well... It might happen with Simone Fontecchio that he tries for a couple of years in the NBA and then follows the footsteps of of Nicola Melli, Facundo Campazzo Mm -hmm. and all these other players that are coming back. We have some European vets in the NBA that, who knows, maybe they want to finish uh, Mm, their career playing in Europe. We have uh, Nicola Batum, for example, uh, we have uh Australian guy Joe Ingles, who played in the Euroleague for a while although for Australian I don't know if he has any sentiment towards towards uh, the Euroleague so there are players we could possibly see Danilo Gallinari he's recovering from an ACL injury uh Ricky Rubio Ricky Rubio yeah he mentioned probably yeah a couple Ricky, of years ago yeah that he he could see Something. himself coming back yeah. to Barcelona True. so maybe these guys will be here in in not necessarily next season, maybe the mm. season after. I'm talking about the veterans and about the other guys, it's hard to predict. Every summer, we see teams signing uh, players that didn't quite make it in the NBA.
2: Mm-hmm. There's this short list of fringe NBA players who could, uh, who maybe some fans would like to see in the year league on Basket News Twitter. And I actually think that Svim Mihajlik. Uh, would make a lot of sense. I I see him as a big pick-and-roll threat here in the EuroLeague and I see him as a more Polished Ignas uh, Brazdeikis with some better decision maker and especially better shooting ability mm. outside the arc. So I think that he 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 could be pretty successful a uh, player over there. Because this list also includes players like Boban Marjanovic, Vili, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Dario Saric, Fournier, It's <laughs> way too early for Fournier to come back. Davis Bertans, Alex Len, Sandra Momcikalasvili, and Goga Bitadze. But, but I think that but not that just all role, those players uh, re- fit the EuroLeague game today. The Taz's role has been
1: reducing, you know, reduced a lot this season and, uh, you know, probably if you're thinking about fringe NBA players that could come back to Europe, you have to look at those players Mm -hmm. who had a bigger role before, had a chance to show off their skills and now their roles have reduced. So, which probably means, you know, the team uh, did not see enough uh, for them to be in the rotation or to be in the roster. So... You kind of have to look for those players that, you know, have uh,
2: uh, the roles
1: have reduced recently.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, let's. Get back to the EuroLeague, and even here in 20 we saw some amazing performer uh, performance. Uh, Kina mm-hmm. Evans scored uh, 32 points, which makes him the fourth highest scoring uh, in all-time EuroLeague history in Žalgiris team. 20, uh, 21 points in the first half alone, which also made the uh, Žalgiris history uh, in the EuroLeague. Uh, he's he's on an impressive uh, shape at the moment. In the last seven of eight EuroLeague games, he was averaging 20. Point nine points per night. He's already the seventh highest scorer than an average of 16.7 points per game. He's a, a complete splitter leader, leader and a big reason why they're in the playoff mix right now. Do you think that we're talking about the next emerging big point guard in the Euro League? Is, is he that guy on the rise who might become a star in the Euro League in, in the following years?
1: I believe so. I believe he's capable of doing and he's showing that right now. I mean, he possesses, you know, all the necessary tools athletically and skillfully talking. Uh, he has shown that he has an improved jump shot, which was a bit of a concern point last season when he was with Maccabi. Um, yes, he is more of a scoring guard than a crea- creative, creative one, but that's exactly what joggers need right now. However, I can see him being uh, even on a better team and doing the same things that he's doing right now. Uh, uh, real quick, one thing talking about the Jalgaris Bayern game, I was so surprised at how Bayern were defending Keenan Evans. I mean, when I'm not questioning the choices by Trinkerry because, you know, they chose to uh, be on in a, in a drop uh, on a pick and roll with him. And basically, when you, when you are in a drop, the guard has to do a really good job of going around the screen and then contesting the shot. But Isaac Banga and Corey Walden were standing like one meter uh, away from Keenan Evans. So basically, Kevarius Hayes can just set the screen and it's a wide open three-pointer for Evans going to the left, which is like his number one shot. And then in switches, I was surprised they, the teams are still allowing him to go left. Like, you're playing against Jalgaris, Force him to the right because... He, he wants to go to the left and shoot the three pointers. That That's his shot, that's... I mean, he has been doing it since round one. And force him to the right, right. make him pass the ball and see what happens. I mean, you're playing against Jalgeris, there is one guy you need to mm. uh, play defense, I mean, not play defense against, but you need one, one guy to stop and you're par- probably winning the game. Because he has been carrying Jalgeris from the round one in every game, you know. Uh, the comeback against Alba. Uh, random three-pointers in every game. You know, maybe not to lose by 20, but to lose by 10. You know, keeping them in close games. So, to me, it was weird that teams, you know, round, to, uh, round 15, and they're still, you know, let's say, not adjusting their defense to stop one guy that basically can you can guarantee you a win against uh, Jalgris. Mm-hmm, so, good point. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I, I agree that Keenan Evans is the next big thing in the yearly. I'm not so sure about
0: that, actually. Uh, well, I cannot pay too much attention to what happened last season. He improved as a player, first of all. But well, when he played next to Scotty Wilbekin, he was a helper, not a leader. Now he's playing in a team that has no ball handlers. He's the only ball handler. He's gonna play 32 minutes. He's gonna get as many as many shots as he wants. So far, he has been surprisingly consistent, making shots that some of those are really tough. Uh, against Bayern, once he got hot, and that was probably it, since the first shot in the game, yeah. uh, he did everything. He was aggressive, penetrating the pain. He was scoring uh, after contact. He was drawing fouls. He was doing everything. He was like on—he was like on God mode in that game, which was very low-quality basketball game with one player True. performing uh, spectacularly well. But I'm not so sure if he will—he will be as comfortable next season on a bigger team with a lesser role, where you will have other—not uh, necessarily—not necessarily star players, but quality players next to you. You might not be the primary ball handler. You might be secondary ball handler. Like in Monaco, we see three guards and they are sharing the load. Like if I put Keenan Evans in Jordan Lloyd's position, will Keenan Evans be very successful in it? I'm still not sure about it. Right now he's leading a not very talented EuroLeague team where he's clearly the best player and, and, and he has all these responsibilities. I could see him in Milan where you get to play a lot of iso, uh, you get to take a lot of shots off the dribble, which is what he wants to do. But I couldn't see him as the Shane Larkin next to Vasa Mitic, if it makes mm. sense to you. Like uh, What I love about him is his positivity. Whatever role you give him, probably he's going to accept it. From what what we've heard, like Zalgir's coaches and teammates need... To To push him, him actually to push Mm -hmm. him to take more shots, to be more aggressive. uh, Because maybe he's a bit shy, I don't know. Uh, I love everything about him. He's my favorite Jalgris player in the last three or four years, perhaps. Uh, But uh, about him being the next big thing, I don't know. I still have some doubts and uncertainties. And the same goes, for example, uh, for Chris Jones, who's leading Valencia. And they're kind of in a similar position because Valencia without Chris Jones is it's just suffering. And Ralgiris,
1: where would they be without Keenan Evans? I saw a good question on the Lithuanian uh, q and I mean, at least in the comments, I did not see if they responded. If, if you had right now a game of uh, start bench cut, you have Keenan Evans, Darius Thompson, and Chris Jones. Hmm. Start
0: bench cut. It's That's hard. It's hard to cut one of these guys, but I would. I would cut Chris.
1: Chris Jones. Yeah, Chris yeah, Jones.
0: Same. I'm starting uh, Keenan Evans and and benching Darius Thompson.
2: Me too, probably, because I'm choosing between Chris Jones and Keenan. Right now, I'm going with Keenan, and I don't know who I'm starting. But I mean, I'm staying with Keenan and Darius Thompson. Maybe even starting starting with. Chris Darius. Jones had some injuries, uh, and
1: like Valencia. K- d- to, just to be clear, he is still an amazing player. Yeah, for, yeah, sure. for sure, he's still an amazing the, player. The, there's he no question to this about
2: corner, which no, is no, very I mean, comfortable. It, it was an so, interesting. Yeah. You know, you
1: have these three point guards that are, uh, let's say, on the rise, and uh, you know, leading uh, leading teams. Uh, let's say least talented teams. Those who don't have the millions of euros to buy uh, eight or ten good players. You know, yeah. they have. Little bit more limited budgets that you know you have, let's say, six maybe ro- good rotation players. So, and you can draw so many
0: comparisons between Jones and Evans. Uh, not only because Jalgiris went for, I mean, both of, of, of them well. were options in the summer, uh, Chris Jones maybe was the first option. Yeah, I, I was, don't know, mm-hmm. he was. Uh, and the other comparison could be like Chris Jones also played in Maccabi, also mm-hmm. played next to Scotty Wilbekin, also was a role player averaging six or seven points per game, and then he became a leading point guard in a low-budget EuroLeague team, which was Asvel mm. at the time. Those were a bit different circumstances because he played with a Kobo. It's not like he was the only ball handler because in Keenan Evans' case, Schalke has no ball handlers. Do you see those? Short stretches where Evans is on the bench, Jalgiris is just playing some. Uh, I wouldn't call that basketball. would we'll say it's a prayer. We're gonna have the ball for 24 yeah. seconds, and then we're hoping yeah. that Edgar Solanovas <laughs> is gonna be the Paul George,
2: making yeah, making
1: making shots facing the basket. You know this. This is why I'm saying also. You know why are you still allowing Keenan Evans to play to his strengths? I mean, okay, you have the only guy on the on this team, and if you stop him. You have your chances increase significantly, and and like um, uh, we saw some teams, and
0: I think actually Valencia was one of them. Basconia, yeah, they were playing the the aggressive, ha- aggressive, aggressive, aggressive step or, out hedge, yeah, yeah even uh, trap, you know. And then Evans just cannot catch his rhythm. He starts scoring in the second half, but Chalgris is already down catching catching the opponents. Uh, so it's probably the answer what what you need to do against him when mm-hmm. you're playing when you're facing halgiris then all the other things happen of course halgiris has many um i would say fighters on the team players that go for 50-50 balls die for every ball they they create second chance opportunities it's a hardworking team but talent wise there's actually only one player that stands out
1: yeah i would say even you know when you when you speak about halgiris you know their identity the first thing that comes to your mind is is uh, the fight, the fighting spirit this season. Yeah. And that's why they're winning games. I mean, sounds cliche, sounds maybe simple, but I mean, it, it works for them, you know. Yeah, you have one really good guy that, that's helping you, but first thing about them for me is the, the fight, the grit. You know, the grit and grind. Grit and grind so like Memphis. Saying they're,
0: Memphis they're the Memphis Grizzlies of, of the early. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. The old school Memphis Grizzlies.
2: <laughs> I'm not talking about the Grizzlies right now. Just without Marc Gasol in the front line, basically. Yeah, I mean... That's it's true. Keenan Evans has some big advantages looking forward in his future because first of all at least he's three years uh, younger than Chris Jones and actually many point guards which will become free agents this summer a uh, few of them for example they are Kostos Lucas, Luca Vildoza Chris Jones Perry Henry Maudolo and Facundo Campasso uh, I mean Keenan Evans has a big chance to be the the hottest name after Lucas probably he's staying in Olympiacos for example but there's Campasso Vildoza so he might be in the mix among the Uh, hottest uh, point guards uh, in the market although he has a buyout he has a two-year contract with Jargires but from what I know for any of those top eight teams that buyout probably is not uh, an obstacle uh, to sign him so
0: so my long shot prediction is that Keenan
2: Evans next season
0: lands in Milan
2: Mm. you heard
0: it here first December
2: 28th okay that's pretty logical prediction but but yeah I, li- I like I like that But you one.
1: agree that he will land on uh let's say a team top 8 he financially. Will a
2: he will get a chance
1: Should I don't see him He's not going to be he's not going to be on Vasilia Mates' mean, Mike James level no. but no. but but you know he, he is not a solid uh so let's that's say that's what I'm saying. Solid secondary uh, uh, ball handler on a really good contending team So that's team what I'm saying. I mean we see a team yeah. that
0: Plays Nazmi and struggling Devon Hall, and surely they will go for some uh, replacements for some Sh- young prospect. Let's say if you, if you can count. Evans is And such after money. a season like this in the EuroLeague, I don't know if his numbers will go down or not. So far, I think he's exceeding all the expectations mm. uh, in terms of three-point shooting. We didn't expect him to be a 46 or 47% three-point no. shooter, knowing that mo- some of these shots he's taking, these are tough shots. Sometimes it's just like a transition free. He's running into, in, into a free. Uh, do you remember the game against Alba? True. We made a comeback just because Keenan Evans started hitting shot after shot after shot and and there's no stopping it. So maybe his numbers will go down closer to 40% in the second uh, part of the season.
1: 56-46-82 right now.
2: Those are incredible numbers. And the best thing is that he's not just all about the offense. I mean, he's a very solid defender knowing that he's the main scorer of the team and usually they try to hide you or you just try to stay fresh defensively so you're not putting all your efforts. So the good thing is that he has the desire, he has the body uh, to be a solid defender and in, even in an elite team, he can be this all-around uh, guy on your roster. I just love when Jargett
0: plays uh, switch defense and Keenan Evans is in a mismatch situation. He does everything he physically can to front the guy, to deny the True. pass and there were so many uh, successful uh, steals or deflections, uh, he did just because of his mm-hmm. will, yeah. his, his willingness to, to do it and, and to go to that physical battle. So that's also another great thing about I, I just
2: hope that he won't lose that humbleness in February or March, because we have some examples and players who already have some contracts being around them and just stopping play defense. So let's 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 hope that he will uh, stay all around threat uh, for Charlie And for sure, that's that's an interesting name for the upcoming summer. Some say that he might hit the one million uh, club. Uh, I think that he's he's close. And by the way, there's this. I've heard this comparison from at least a couple of people, uh, a couple of basketball people. They say that Keenan Evans reminds Brad Wanamaker Win- Wanamaker a lot. Would you agree with that comparison? Mm.
1: A little bit. I mean, d- all everything we just talked about right now. You know, uh, calm, composed, uh, great body, and great defensively. If if we are, I just
2: thought that Brad was a bit bigger,
0: uh, and the 3 point shooting is probably I don't know, the difference. He's one ninety one. Like Keenan Evans took more free pointers than than twos this season, and if I remember, Brad, Wanamaker, he was more of a slasher. Mm-hmm. probably when he played in Bamberg and later in, in Fenerbahce yeah.
1: but he was he was probably not known mm, as a shooter if i remember correctly but but uh when when his team needed a free he yeah. was he was like knocking them down so talking you know. about Brad. yeah uh, i'll just check his
0: let's say euroleague check stats check his stats real quick yeah real quick because yeah, you can see clearly from the numbers he was taking a lot more twos than threes and Keenan Evans is taking more threes than twos so that maybe is 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 the difference in their game but the comparison is uh, sensible let's say
2: yeah, and of course, Keenan he still has to improve some things, including decision maker Sometimes the, the offense stops uh, with him orchestrating the offense. The offense <laughs>
0: stops because yeah. he's
2: playing in Zalkiris. That's Zs1> <laughs> also true, but I mean, uh, I'm th- sorry. the flow. <Zs1> uh, <laughs> <Zs1>
0: Sometimes look at these lineups. They're playing Arnas Butkiewicz as a two, Edgar Solanovas as a three.
2: I know, I know uh, what you're talking. I know it's funny, <laughs> but I mean, from tactical standpoint, (laughs) at least the coaches, they think (laughs) that he he can do some improvements. Well, he is not your floor general,
0: I I give you that. He's not like the classical point guard that makes everyone around him better.
2: And I mean, he can make even the life for himself easier instead of... calling a screen. He has Paul Zipser and he calls a screen and he gets a telehunter. I mean, there are still there are some situations where his decision maker making could be uh better, but I, I believe that with that kind of role and experience he will get there.
0: But he was coaching <laughs>
2: guys like Bonga who's supposed to be a defensive
0: stopper yeah. in the Euro League. I was I was about to what write that story
2: how Great bongo as a as a lockout, uh, lockdown defender on Byron and he just needs to find the offensive uh identity in the year league to you know to in improve this, his situation. Game, but,
1: he needs to find some energy there, man. Like yeah. it this was, game it was awful. I,
0: I just didn't understand when he was playing when he was put as a point guard because obviously have a lot of injuries uh, like my colleague Jonas Lakshas said he was throwing like bowling passes he was throwing the basketball like a bowling ball <laughs> and three or four turnovers he w- wasn't a point guard at all in that game and uh defending Keenan Evans he, i can i cannot say he did a good job although he has all the tools it seems to me to be a successful defensive player mm-hmm. in the Euroleague but that was a very bad night for Isaac Bonga
2: and the last topic to cover quickly, Milan is winning games. After snapping nine-game losing streak, they won two in a row, including a big away uh, victory in in Belgrade against red hot Red Star team and ruining Dusko Ivanovic's campaign for the best uh, EuroLeague takeover ever. And also there was this uh, great comeback against big EuroLeague team, Monaco. What do you think does it mean that they're back? Is it something, is it nothing, or is it everything? Something. Mm. I would say it's something. I was
1: so happy finally to see them win a home game. Man, that was crazy! Uh, and just hearing uh, the announcer in Mediolanum Forum screaming "Billy Baron" with all the lung with all the air in his lungs that he mm-hmm. had—super nice. Uh, but their their defense has always been there. I mean, they're still probably the number one, best defensive team in in, uh, in competition by advanced stats. And all that stuff, so it's never been, you know, it's never left. Uh, but to win against Monaco, they they still kept them, uh, let's say, 70... 71. Uh, 71 points. Uh, so that's a great result against Monaco. But to win that game, they needed four tough, tough three-pointers in the fourth quarter in the last seconds to, to win this game. So it's not something Milan has, Milano has done this season. It was the first time they finally made these frees. Uh, I can't say all of them are, you know, a result of a good offense. Some of them are just finally, there is one player who can consistently, who has confidence and it is, I'm talking about Billy Barron. He has been amazing in the last four games. So finally, there is a player who can, you know, make his own shot, create his own shot and knock it down. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, with all we see with Milano this season, if it is, um, you know, if it can continue for a longer stretch, uh, this kind of shooting, because as I said, they still had 58 points within 36 minutes of, of, of playing time. And then they scored these, a lot of three pointers uh, and stuff and won the game. So it is something for me, probably I'm waiting for Siobhan Shields to come back, but I'm not sure if it's not too late for them. I mean, they, they had three wins in the first 13 games. Uh, it's going to be hard in this competitive EuroLeague for them to come back. There is there is definitely hope because well, with that defense. They are three or four wins away from, from top eight. So mm. m- my
0: take is that uh, uh, their next five games in the EuroLeague, first of all, very important. finishing uh, this year, they are facing Valencia at home uh, after the new year. Uh, they're playing Olympiakos away, they're playing Alba Berlin away, they're playing Zalgiris at home and Aswell at home. So if they win four of these five games, I say they're back in the playoff hunt. And they have to do it, because uh, I can accept a loss in Piraeus, but you must beat Valencia, Zalgiris and Aswell in Mediolanum, and you should beat Alba Berlin in, in Germany. So, if that's you do that, no question. If you do that, you're back in the playoff hunt. The defense is there, it has always been there. There were some games they lost purely because they couldn't make a bucket, make a shot. Yeah, they were missing wide open shots. So, maybe that's a little bit of karma for Ettore Messina in this game. Billy Barron mm. making some tough shots because previously they suffered because players just couldn't hit wide open, wide shot. open shots. Uh, so, we'll see. Shavon Shields will get back on the court. Kevin Pangos how long is he out
1: i don't know uh, a month or two precisely, think, uh, but uh, his a, his uh, return
2: is is uh, more likely than shields
1: okay Angus. but they're both uh, like, like late january february right
2: yeah something it's not like they're mm. returning their return okay. is on the corner so we still have to win games without them
0: these five games they're winnable games even without them and if they do that then with Siobhan Shields and Kevin Pangos back on the floor, they can face any any team in the EuroLeague, actually. Uh, I wouldn't rule them out, no. but right now they're surely they're surely not favorites to make it to the playoffs, to the top mm. eight. You probably put Bosconia and Zvezda ahead of them because these are two hot teams, and one of those teams <laughs> just recently signed uh, an elite point guard. But we will see. There's plenty of experience in this in this Milan I team. still
2: believe in Milan. I still think that they will make the playoffs. Uh, Three-win gap is not as huge. They have a talented roster. Always trust the team which has the best defensive rating. They they have great defensive uh, players and they're creating shots and, I mean, they will stop missing all those shots uh, one day. The season is long and they still have it. I mean, I, I'm not buying this Ettore Messina explanation that's, uh, I, okay, I agree that Kevin Pangos and Shavon Shields, they're two main offensive players on that team. But I mean, even without them, you still have the lineup, uh, the roster with Nazmi Long, Billy Barron, uh, Devon Hall, uh, Timothy Luvavu-Cabaro, Nicola Melli, Foytman, Brandon Davis, Kyle Hans, there's DeSean Thomas, Gianpaolo Ricci, Tonuti, okay, Datome. They, they, these last guys, they missed uh, a lot of games, they were injured. But I mean, we're having Jalgiris in a playoff race and Compared to Milan, I mean, it, you cannot say that without Pangos and Shields, this roster is not capable of uh, winning games. So I, I, I think it's just a matter of time. This year league is so competitive this year. I mean, the teams from first to fifth place, they shared the same record 10 wins and five losses. The first and eighth, difference between the first and eighth places is just two victories. So it, this is the best environment to make this comeback. And I will. I, I really believe that they will be there. Maybe eight seed, maybe seven seed, but if you ima- let's imagine if they have Shields back, if they have Pangos finding his rhythm, it's a hell of an opponent for every top seeded team in the EuroLeague League this season. That's all, guys. Is- that was a that was a nice pod. By the way, it was the last podcast of 2022. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. So we're wrapping up uh this year. So we need some predictions for 2023. We will have this. As a main the topic at the for the beginning of the new year, we're gonna
1: make a guarantee a lot of that. Okay. Yeah, you the have some pod.
2: bold predictions for 2023. For the next pod. Yeah. For the next pod. That's cool. That's for Example: cool. Milano not it's making intriguing. the playoffs. Not. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> it's intriguing. So yeah, let's uh, happy New Year, everybody. Be safe. Be careful. Have some fun, and see you next week.